0: Major advances in research on tinnitus are making investigators very optimistic about our ability to treat the condition now and in the future. What are the most effective therapeutic measures for tinnitus? And what are the specific mechanisms behind our various treatment options? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Richard Salvi, Professor in the Department of Communicative Disorders and Sciences and Director of the Center for Hearing and Deafness at the State University of New York at Buffalo School of Medicine. Dr. Salvi is an internationally respected expert on tinnitus. Welcome Dr. Salvi.
1: Glad to be here to talk to your audience about tinnitus.
0: We are discussing treatments for tinnitus. Dr. Salvi, where does treatment for tinnitus begin?
1: The typical treatment for tinnitus if you have or are suffering from tinnitus is to go and get a good hearing evaluation, usually go and see an otolaryngologist, ENT doctor, and what you would like to rule out is any medical condition that could be life-threatening, for example, a tumor. This seldom is the case, but you want to rule out any serious medical condition. At that point, the typical treatment strategy would be to go and speak with an expert who's worked in the area, a clinician, and has treated a lot of tinnitus with a combination of what we call sound therapy and counseling and education. So sound therapy involves basically putting some sound back into the ear, So a simple procedure for suppressing the tinnitus might be to get a hearing aid. Hearing aids amplify the sounds in the background in the room. And these amplification of the background sound is, in many cases, sufficient to suppress the tinnitus, make you unaware of it. If this is not enough treatment for you, the next step would be to go in what we call sound therapy and counseling and education. So in the case of sound therapy, a patient would actually get a sound generator and put this into ear canal. The sound generator might be as simple as making sort of a hissing or a white noise. And you typically raise the level of the white noise so it just barely covers up the tinnitus, just below the level of covering it up. And what this does is it makes the patient less aware of their tinnitus. If they're less aware of it, they're less likely to attend or listen to their tinnitus.
0: Is this a suppression or just masking of the sound?
1: Masking, we would use that term if the level was high enough to completely cover it up. Typically, the level is not high enough to cover it up, but it makes the tinnitus, you're less aware of it. So it stands out, sort of like looking at a candle in a dark room, it stands right out. But if you take that candle and put it out into a bright light... That candle is no longer as strong a perceptual magnet as it would be if it was in a dark room so part of the benefit of putting the sound in is it makes the sound in your head stand out less with respect to the environmental sounds if you're distracted so you are not attending to the sound in your head then you tend to go about your daily life not listening to the sound into your head Part of the problem with tinnitus is many patients associate the sound with negative affect. They feel like this is an impending danger signal. And so when they hear the tinnitus, they're on their guard, it makes them anxious. So by making the sound in your head less prominent, your attention tends to be diverted away from it and you tend to focus on the sounds in the external environment. And this is very effective. The other part of it is counseling the patient, telling them not to focus on the sound in their head, but rather to focus on the environmental sound. And when you can draw their attention away from it, you reduce their level of anxiety associated with the tinnitus.
0: What are these devices called?
1: Some of them are just called tinnitus sound generators. They're manufactured by several companies. Just recently, there's been a new device called Neuromonics. They make a device called the OASIS. And this device has sounds that are kind of tailored to each individual's person's hearing audiogram. And they basically play uh, pleasant sounds that are modulated in different ways. And they are combined with counseling and education. And many patients find these very beneficial in terms of not attending or focusing on their tinnitus. It draws their attention away, reduces the anxiety associated with the tinnitus.
0: Now, clearly, when they use these devices, they can't hear ambient sounds.
1: That's true, but usually the sounds are presented at a level that they really are not extremely loud. They're just barely enough to interfere with the detection of the tinnitus. So, on most cases, they don't really are not very disruptive to the sounds in the external environment.
0: Are these devices, in your opinion, better than the traditional hearing aid devices?
1: For some individuals, they're actually necessary. Some people don't have very much hearing loss, but they do have tinnitus. So in these cases, a hearing aid might be inappropriate for them because they don't need the amplification. What they do need is the sound going into the ear. The purpose of the sound basically is to sort of go in and sort of partially distract the person from listening to the sound in their head and draw attention away from that.
0: If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and our guest is Dr. Richard Selvy, professor in the Department of Communicative Disorders and Sciences and director of the Center for Hearing and Deafness at the State University of New York at Buffalo School of Medicine. Dr. Salvi is an internationally respected expert on tinnitus. We are discussing treatments for tinnitus. Dr. Salvi, tell us about the procedure where one surgically implants electrodes.
1: One of the uh, approaches to putting activity back into the auditory brain would be to give a patient a device called a cochlear implant. So if somebody was profoundly deaf in both ears, many profoundly deaf people who cannot hear out of either ear still have tinnitus. They hear this phantom sound in their head. If you want to restore hearing, you can put in a cochlear implant. This is a device that consists of a microphone that picks up the sound in the environment, a signal processor that takes the sound and converts it into a pattern of electrical activity. And this electrical activity is delivered to a set of a, an array of electrodes that are implanted into the inner ear. These electrodes bypass the damaged hair cells, and directly stimulate the auditory nerve. So when you turn on this cochlear implant, you can hear the sounds in the environment by stimulating the nerves, and when you turn the implant on, the vast majority of people that have these implants actually find that their tinnitus is suppressed. So the cochlear implant acts much like a sound generator does, but in this case, you basically are stimulating the auditory nerve directly and putting activity back into the brain. So a cochlear implant and a sound generator, in many respects, do the same thing. They put activity back into the brain and basically dampen down the aberrant neural activity in the brain that's causing the tinnitus.
0: If you do not have significant hearing loss but have significant tinnitus, is the cochlear implant inappropriate?
1: At this time, it is really inappropriate. There are some work being done in Belgium now with patients that normally would not be candidates for a cochlear implant. You normally would be a candidate if you're profoundly deaf in both ears. But a group in Belgium has been implanting people who are just deaf in one ear, and the deafness in the one ear is associated with severe or intractable tinnitus. And what they've been doing with these people with basically only hearing loss in one ear, is to implant the ear that's got the severe hearing loss and intractable tinnitus. When the implants are turned on, these individuals claim they get significant reduction in their tinnitus and really tremendous benefit. So we may be coming to an era where people that are profoundly deaf in one ear and have severe tinnitus in the one ear, these patients may down the road be candidates for a cochlear implant this is looking like it may be very beneficial for a specific subgroup of patients.
0: Now, thinking about non-invasive options, we know that for certain cases of depression and chronic pain, magnetic stimulation is tried. Is this also used for cases of tinnitus?
1: Yes. There are groups in Germany right now, and I think some groups in the United States that are starting to use what's called transcranial magnetic stimulation. This is a device that creates a focused Magnetic field, the magnetic field basically can penetrate, go through the skull, and as the magnetic field expands and collapses, it creates a minute and focused electrical field, and that electrical field will stimulate the areas where we think tinnitus is generated. They've generally been used for treating or stimulating the areas around the auditory cortex, the higher levels of the auditory brain where we thought the tinnitus might be generated and where we perceive sounds. The idea of these transcranial magnetic stimulators is they disrupt the tinnitus generator enough so that the brain kind of resets itself and patients have reported benefits lasting from minutes to hours for even weeks in some cases. There's still a lot of work being done right now trying to figure out the optimal stimulation strategies and the pulse patterns that are going to get the greatest and longest lasting benefit. So far, I do not believe there's very many cases where people have gotten complete remission and permanent remission of their tinnitus, but this looks like also a very promising approach.
0: At the present time, are there any gold standards in terms of treatment of tinnitus?
1: I would say at the moment, the treatment strategy that I would recommend for patients would be starting off with sound therapy combined with counseling and education. This seems to benefit the vast majority of patients. That It never makes the sound of tinnitus completely go away, but it usually drops the tinnitus down so people feel like it's not invasive and it doesn't bother them. And part of this is, I think, reducing the patient's anxiety and reducing kind of the level of the tinnitus.
0: Let's talk about perception for a second. In many patients, it's disruptive and annoying. Do any patients who have tinnitus actually get pain from it?
1: Some patients will claim that it's so loud that it will give them a headache, but these are very rare. Most patients do not complain of pain as we typically think of it as arising from mechanical trauma or from a burn, for example, most patients would say they do not feel pain in the typical sense that we use that term. But they do say that it will give them a headache or it might be very disruptive in that sense.
0: I want to thank our guest, Dr. Richard Salvi. We've been discussing treatments for tinnitus. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll free at 888 MDXM 157. And thank you for listening.